KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The Supreme Court has ordered an immediate stop to the 2020 census count. The decision yesterday follows an emergency request from the Trump administration to allow the count to end. The administration argued the Census Bureau needed more time to crunch the numbers before the end of the year. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals had ruled last month that counting could continue until Halloween. Census organizers in San Diego fear the shortened count, coupled with the pandemic, will lead to an undercount for immigrant and undocumented communities that could potentially lead to less representation and less federal funding. UC San Diego has put its COVID-19 vaccine trial in National City on hold. The local trial is paused because one participant from the global study developed an unexplained illness. Dr. Susan Little is UC San Diego's principal investigator for the Johnson & Johnson's vaccine trial. She says these incidents are pretty common. Pauses occur all the time during large phase three clinical trials. So this is a trial of 60,000 individuals. So it wouldn't be unusual for another pause to occur. The mayor of National City, Alejandra Sotelo Solis, says when the trial starts again, she hopes to be part of the solution to the pandemic. I have submitted my name and my application uh, for this COVID-19 trial because I believe it's part and parcel to being a good leader. The Johnson & Johnson trial is expected to recruit 2,000 participants in San Diego and 60,000 people globally during the two-year trial. The hearings for the Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett enter the final day today. You can catch the hearings live on KPBS Radio at 89.5 FM. It's also on KPBS 2 on television and as a live stream on our website at kpbs.org. The KPBS Voter Guide is also available online. It has just about everything you'll need for voting in this election. You can find the KPBS Voter Guide online at kpbs.org election. It's Wednesday, October October 14th, this is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News, a daily morning news podcast powered by everyone in the KPBS newsroom. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Reports of Republicans installing fake ballot drop boxes in Los Angeles, Fresno, and Orange County are prompting concerns here in San Diego. KPBS's Shalina Chetlani reports. 
The polls are already open in San Diego. And at the bustling registrar of voters' office, people are already dropping off their ballots. But reports of fake drop-off locations are raising alarms. Registrar of voters Michael Vu says there are already 1.9 million registered voters here that would be able to tip off the registrar of voters' office if there's any unofficial activity. We have not heard of any of these unofficial mail ballot drop-off locations being established here in San Diego County. Plus, he says there are some factors voters can look out for to know if their ballot boxes are legit. For example, drop-off locations will be staffed. On the back of the uh, voter information uh, card is your three closest mail ballot drop-off locations. You will know that those are officially established by our office. Boo says voters this year can sign up online to track their ballots even before they receive it to see when it may show up in the mail. He says already 175,000 mail ballots have been returned. Shalina Chalani, KPBS News. The race for San Diego City Council District 7 is just one of two council races with a Democrat and a Republican facing off. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser tells us the candidates have very different stances on key local issues. Noli Zosa, a Republican, is a co-founder of the restaurant chain Dirty Birds. His business experience informs his views on how the county responded to the COVID pandemic. He was frustrated as a restaurant owner that when the pandemic first hit, the county allowed big box stores such as Walmart to stay open, but forced businesses like his to close. We could have operated those same guidelines, and we are operating now. But during those critical two, three months where we were, we were shut down completely, uh, a lot of small businesses folded, unfortunately, permanently. Zosa's Democratic opponent, Raul Campillo, sees things quite differently. The deputy city attorney says the county's response to COVID has not been strict enough. When new policies come in place, regardless of what area of life they are, if they aren't enforced early, the public is going to not take it seriously. The county should have made sure that they were going to cite people who were violating the health orders early on. And I'm not talking drastic, punitive measures, simply citations where people knew I am going to be paying a small fine if I violate this. The ongoing pandemic will likely force the city council to make further budget cuts in the 2021 fiscal year. Campillo says if elected, he would want to cut spending by eliminating outside contractors. And instead should be bringing in an engineer or surveyor to work for the city and be able to plan projects in-house. Zosa would cut. Is the money that Sandeg and the city is spending on protected bike lanes um, uh, that uh, Sandeg is spending $279 million on, um, with that, which that money should be going to fixing our streets and our roads. The outcome of the race could impact the balance of power on the city council. If Campillo replaces the Republican Scott Sherman, it would mean Democrats pick up an additional seat. That was KPBS's Claire Tregesser. As we said earlier, only two of the five open council seats feature races with candidates from both parties. The other three seats have only Democrats vying for the office. So the San Diego City Council will stay in control of the Democrats after the November election, though the council is officially nonpartisan. KPBS's John Carroll spoke with the two Democrats facing off for the District 1 seat. 
San Diego City Council District 1 covers a lot of coastline from La Jolla up to the border with Del Mar. Democrats Joe LaCava, who's a civil engineer, and Will Moore, a lawyer, are running to replace Barbara Bree. The two agree on many issues like streamlining the permitting process to build housing, especially affordable housing, but they part company on the controversial issue of short-term rentals. Moore agreed with a proposal to cap the number of Airbnb-style rentals. LaCava didn't think it went far enough. The proposal was rejected by the Planning Commission. First, we'll hear from Moore, then LaCava. I think what we should be doing, instead of just waving a flag to have a rhetorical point, is trying to work towards a solution that actually reduces the impact of STVRs on our community. And that practical solution is what I'm after. Let's adopt regulations for home sharing and let's keep whole home rentals in our commercial districts. A decision on short-term rentals will now be up to the new city council. LaCava came in first in the District 1 primary, beating Moore by more than 3,000 votes. But there were more than 25,000 votes split between the other candidates. John Carroll, KPBS News. And in City Council District 3, the seat has been held by a member of the LGBTQ community since 1993, and it will stay that way after the elections. We have KPBS's John Carroll again. He spoke with the two candidates vying for the seat. District 3 encompasses what you might call the heart of San Diego, from where the city began in what is now Old Town, to Balboa Park downtown to Hillcrest, Mission Hills to University Heights. Democrats Stephen Whitburn and Tony Duran, both members of the LGBTQ community, are vying for the seat. There's not a lot of daylight between the two on most issues, but when asked why they each feel they're best to succeed Chris Ward for the seat, they had very different answers. Whitburn points to his professional experience. I'm the one candidate uh, in this race who has run an organization, uh, the one candidate who's led a staff, uh, the one who has balanced an organizational budget. Duran cited what she calls her lived experience. As a woman, as a Latina, as a member of the LGBTQ community, as a person that, that's come from a lower income background, uh, I think I, I know I can speak to that better. Whitburn bested Duran by about 4,000 votes in the primary. John Carroll, KPBS News. Coming up on the podcast, California Assemblymember Shirley Weber chairs the California Black Legislative Caucus. She spoke with Cap Radio recently about which laws she believes can help address systemic racism. That interview next after this break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 
It's been several months since protests against racial injustice and police brutality broke out across the country. California has since approved new laws, which Democratic leaders say will address some of those issues. The laws include a measure to study the impacts of slavery and recommend reparations for African Americans. Assemblymember Shirley Weber chairs the California Black Legislative Caucus. She spoke with Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon about which laws she believes can help address systemic racism. But if you say which one's going to really affect African Americans the most, it probably will be the reparations bill. It should really inform all of California about just how pervasive racism has been and is in most societies when you, when it's instituted. It doesn't just quickly go away. It's self-embedded in so many aspects of that culture. But if you don't change dramatically in a very aggressive and affirmative way, you end up uh, wondering why you're doing certain things because you're still lingering from the effects of it. Where should this reparations task force start and what other forms of reparations could there be besides just like cash payments? Well, hopefully it won't just be cash payments because I, I, you know, I look at the situation when you're dealing with something that's 400 years old, it's hard to say we can give you $20,000 and make you well. I mean, that, that is not likely to happen. I mean, you know, because of the issues that we face. There's been quite a bit of work already done on reparations. We hope that the commission will build on that and utilize that as a foundation to ask critical questions like, you know, what is what is the damage that's been done and how do we have a uh, remedy what is taking place? And so uh, my assumption is that it will begin uh, by looking at the laws that we've passed. California was not, quote unquote, a slave state, yet it did a number of things to support slavery. It did a number of things to treat African-Americans as second class citizens in, in the state. And the effect that had on the citizenry and, and its opportunities in terms of economic development, business, education, those kinds of things we hope will be revealed as we look at the legislation that was passed and the, and the various practices that existed in California. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is what would you say or what do you say to opponents of these measures who say that they're not slave owners, their families, their ancestors may not have been slave owners, um, but as taxpayers, they will probably be paying into some kind of fund. They're absolutely correct. They are not slaveholders, but they still benefited from it and they continue to benefit from it because if you uh, take land or you own land uh, and you were uh, part of an insurance company that basically uh, insured slaves and made sure that the slave system stayed in place. While you didn't own a slave and you may not have uh, been around at that time because that was so long ago, you still have access to that wealth. You still have access to the attitude that society has about that wealth and you still prosper from it. And so there's no question that that while the, those who are walking around now can say, well, I wasn't a slaveholder. Why am I having to do this? It's because you live on the benefits of, of, of what slavery pr- produced and you see the benefits every day. Um, I want to talk about your priorities for next year. Is there anything that didn't make it through? Um, I know several of the police reform bills didn't. Anything you're pushing in particular next year? We will be pushing the decertification bill. Now, that one was very important and should have gotten through. And decertification is such a simple concept. Uh, because almost every profession wants to get rid of the people who are giving them a bad reputation. And, um, and yet our, our, our state doesn't have uh, adequate process and procedures to accomplish that. While California is very progressive in some ways, it is very regressive in those areas. And so that bill is important. There was another bill that didn't get through, which was the bill to um, duty to intervene. That if officers are part of something that is illegal, that's against their protocol, that they have a responsibility to engage. And I think that's what people saw in looking at what was happening with George Floyd is that these other people sat around other officers and watched it. 
And no one said, hey, that's enough. That's enough. Stop. And so I'm disappointed that it didn't get further. Uh, but I'm committed to make sure that it gets out this coming year. Well, Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you and have a good day. That was Democratic Assemblymember Shirley Weber and Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.